You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Isn't the presence of the Lord just wonderful? Wasn't our time in worship today just, just so great and rich? And even with just, again, Pastor Casey and his guitar, uh, how full the, the room was with the presence of the Lord. Great job, Pastor Casey, just leading us in that today. And I, just as he was leading us in that song and that, that tag, that bridge of all I really want is you, all I really need is you. I was just reminded of a moment that happened in my life, and maybe you've had uh, many moments with the Lord, in a sense, like monumental moments. And in, in the scripture, it talked about how the people of Israel would, sometimes they would take stones and they would create uh, monuments, uh, in a sense, a remembrance place of what God did for the nation, what God did for the people. And it's good, it's, it's healthy for you to write down and journal or, or really create that monumental moment in your life as a remembrance point, as a, a marker for your testimony where you go back and you, you stand on what God has done and what he has spoken and things that God has done in your life. And I have many of them and multiple of them that stand out over my, my lifetime. One of them happened almost three years ago. Next month will be three years ago where... Uh, it was just a normal Monday, uh, Monday day, and I um, felt like just the, the leading of the Lord in my heart to spend extra time with Him during the day. I, I had already woken up early in the morning and had my, my daily encounter time with the Lord, and it was wonderful. My kids woke up, and I helped them get ready for school and sent them off, and, and then as, as they had left, I, I had things that day that I could have done or that I need, needed to tend to, but I just felt that, that draw of the Lord to just stay at my house and, and be alone with him and, and spend extra time with him. So I did, and I just spent extra time in worship and in prayer, and then I actually ended up watching a message on YouTube by, by a pastor, and then I turned that off and just again began to worship the Lord and I just was sitting in my, my chair in my living room, and I had an ottoman, so my, my legs are kind of, you know, propped up. And I was just kind of leaning back in my chair, just worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, the power of God just hit me in this chair, uh, like I've never felt or experienced before. And if I've shared this here at this campus before, forgive me uh, if, if, you, if you've heard this before. I just felt prompted during worship to share this with you. And I began to, to shake violently in my chair uncontrollably. I, I have, the, like, the electricity the power of God shot through my body and as I was experiencing that from the Lord like the Lord was giving me like open visions of prophetic words that have been spoken over the promised church uh, and seeing them being fulfilled and one of them that was spoken by an amazing woman of God that uh, we still are connected with in our church was a, a picture of lines of cars and if you've been to our woodland campus imagine our our woodland campus and lines of cars trying to get into our parking lot and all the way back into Lewis River Road all the way back to the freeway and they couldn't get in because so many people were already there because of the power of God that was there and people experienced him and getting healed and saved and just amazing move of God that was taking place and God showed me that picture as I'm shaking in my chair and he asked me this question he said do you want that or do you want me because so often even as and just to even rewind a moment before that moment I had as a as a pastor and as a leader I had kind of like almost reached the end of myself so to speak I had every great message I'd ever thought of preaching I had preached I, I, my, my well was being tapped and, and dry. Uh, I was physically exhausted in many ways. And I was just like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, we, you know, I, we need you. I need you. And I, I just had, for a couple of weeks before that, had just been like, okay, I got to take it up a notch. I got to seek the Lord even more than I would normally. And it was just began to like go after the Lord. And hunger was stirring in my heart. And I was a reading and, and spending more time with him. And all of a sudden then this happens. And, and sometimes as, as, as a, a pastor or as a leader, you can idolize, you can, you can create uh, like idols almost of what you would want to have happen through your ministry or through your church. And it becomes the goal for what you are shooting for yeah. instead of Jesus being the goal and the prize. Oh, 
And so all of a sudden, I'm seeing what, has I, what I remembered and heard being prophesied even for our church. And yet, uh, I was like, the, the question is there, do you want that? Do you want a fulfillment to a prophetic word? Do you want this amazing, great move of God that you, you would ever always want? Or do you want me? And I knew in my heart what the right answer was to be. I knew what I should say. But then it was like, I don't want to just give God lip service. I just don't want to just say it. I really want to mean it. So I just let that question ring in my ears for a few moments. And, you know, sometimes when you're in the presence of God, what seems like 10 minutes is like 10 seconds. Or what seems like 10 seconds is actually an hour. And so you lose track of time. And I don't know really how long it was, but I just, it was just resonating in my spirit. And so then I, I, I knew that then my heart actually fully re, was responding to that question. And I, I knew I was not giving God lip service. I genuinely meant it. I said, Lord, I just want you. And then all of a sudden, I got hit again by the presence of God. And I, I already spoke in tongues. I already was baptized in the Holy Spirit at 12 years old. But I got hit again with like a whole different language, a whole different spiritual language, a whole fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was just like God flooded me again with that simplicity, with that freshness of saying, okay, then just make it all about me and I'll come. And here we are, you know, this morning, just in this purity and simplicity of worship where, where we've stripped pretty much everything away and we're just saying, Jesus, you're all I want. All I really need is you. For me, only Jesus. Let that just stir in your spirit. Let that just stir in your heart where you recognize that no one else and nothing else will really satisfy you. No, matter, no status, no possession, no person besides the person of Christ can really meet every need and every desire in your heart. And I, I think for so, so often, even within the church world, we can look to so many other things to think that that's going to be the thing. But nothing else will do. And so I just encourage you this week, even as you go throughout your week, Set extra time to be with the Lord. Set time aside, and as you do, just let that cry of, of pure adoration, pure hunger, and that simplicity say, Jesus, I, I, don't, I have these dreams, I have these desires, I have these goals, I have these things, God, that you've given me, and I have these gifts, and I have these, these talents, and I have these passions, but God, above anything else, above all else, God, I just want you. And I'm telling you, he will meet you in that moment, and it will be amazing. And as that takes place, you will find a place of, of pure delight in the Lord that will be unlike anything you've ever tasted. And this is what he has for us. So that's my, my, my prayer for you today. I believe some of you have come in today really just like weighed down, heavy, uh, even in a sense discouraged or full of fear or anxiety and worry because of your circumstances or just the pressure of the world and life. And I believe God just is drawing you to himself today in just a pure way. And he wants to refresh you today. Amen. Those are all things that, were, that are free. I had none of that prepared to share with you. Just felt that in my spirit to share with you during worship today. And I believe God's just going to bless you with that. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we prepare our hearts to receive your word today. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit and your presence in this place. God, maybe we don't feel it even, but in, in faith, God, we, we boldly declare, Lord, you're all we want. You're all we need. That only you, Jesus, satisfy. That you're everything that we need, Lord. God, I pray specifically even for those that are in this room that are young in the faith, that have only been following you for a short time, or those that are in this room that are young in age, God, teenagers and young people, Lord, God, that in early stages in their walk with you, God, that they would encounter you in that way, to know the only you satisfy, Lord, that no person, no thing, no possession, no accomplishment can really do only you, Jesus. God, stir that hunger in us as your people, God, to just want to be with you. To come and see. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all glory. We give you all honor in this place. 
We set our eyes on you, Jesus, and we declare there is no one like you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. I want to share with you uh, of the subject about rest today. My title for the message is Supernatural Rest. I want to speak to you on a topic that maybe you've never heard of before in church, or maybe you have. If you've been part of our church for a while, about a year and a half ago, we did a, a short message mini-series on the Sabbath and uh, so maybe you've heard some of these things before. Maybe, you, maybe you've grown up in church and you have, and maybe it's been spoken on in a very legalistic or religious way. Uh, maybe you've never heard about someone talk about the Sabbath day, or you've read about it in Scripture, but never understood maybe how it could apply to your life in a new Testament, New Covenant context. And so today, I want to share with you about the Sabbath. I want to share with you about supernatural rest and, and what God has for us in this. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to the very beginning of your Bible in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. If you, I would also recommend very, very strongly to you to check out a great resource on this matter, on this subject. It's a, it's a book called Take, called Take the Day Off by Pastor Robert Morris out of Gateway Church, Take the Day Off. And here in Genesis chapter 2, we... We see God has just finished creating all of creation. For six days, he had created the earth, everything on it, the animals. All of, he's created Adam and Eve, mankind. And here it says in verse 2, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now turn in your Bible to the very end of the Bible, almost to the very end, in the book of 3 John. The book of 3 John, verse 2, it's only one chapter. And this is the heart from which I'm sharing this with you. This is the heart from which we as pastors are communicating this, this message to you. And here... The Apostle John is writing to the early church, and he says this in verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And this is our heart for you, that you would prosper in every part of your life, that there would be health in your body, in your spirit, in your soul, just as our soul should prosper as people who know Jesus, as those who follow him, as those who know him, our soul should be full of health and life and prospering in all areas, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and in that there should be a prospering of our whole being as we know him. And so the Apostle John writes this, I'm sharing this message with you from that heart that you would experience a rest in your life that God has for you. You see, we live in a very fast-paced and hurried World. We live in a very fast-paced and hurried society, especially in our American society, where we celebrate busyness as if busyness equals success. The busier you are, the more successful you feel, or the busier you are, the more successful you think other people think that you are. And we actually equate activity and, and, and having a lot of activity in our lives, we equate that to productivity, and we think that by having so many things in our lives that we're doing and a part of that, you know, we are so productive as human beings. And I don't believe that God actually looks at it the same way, that he has the same mindset there. We also live in a society that clamors for our attention with so many voices and so many different avenues for us to be distracted with. Even just a few days ago, I went to a a Woodland High School basketball game when Woodland played R.A. Long. I was going to support both schools, but as a, a, a native Woodlander and graduate of Woodland High School, my, my, I was maybe slightly biased and rooting for the Beavers. And so we got destroyed. But anyway, um, needless to say, we were there, and I took my girls, and I was sitting uh, with Pastor Casey and a couple other people from our church, and, and we were watching the game, and and we, we get in the car to head home, and my girls, like, they had heard that mom and dad played basketball in high school and, and, you know, did all these different things. And they were like, Dad, there wasn't a lot of people at the game. 
How come there wasn't very many people at the game? Like, there, you know, there isn't very many even students at the game. Is it, was it because of COVID? And, and I, th- I thought about it for a brief moment. And then I said, actually, honey, I think, nothing, I think COVID has nothing to do with it. And I, and I think that uh, even the, you know, the, the teams themselves have nothing to do with it. Because both R.A. Long and Woodland actually have really good teams this year. So it wasn't like people were thinking, I don't want to go because the quality of play is going to be trash. No, they, like... <laughs> I, why, so why didn't they come? In my opinion, I believe like something in a small town uh, of high school athletics where there you know, isn't a lot going on in that small town. Back in my day, back when Pastor Case and I played basketball together, like almost the entire town would show up for games. Okay, like we had a smaller gym and there would be like 1,200 people packed in this little gym and we, it was nuts. And there, the student section was crazy and it was loud. You couldn't hear your coach yelling plays from the sideline because it was just passionate and it was loud in there. And, and, and so we're, we're in this bigger gym and it's like quiet and it's empty. And I thought about it and my answer to my kids was because there's so many distractions for people. When I was in high school, there was no such thing as smartphones. There was no social media. There was no streaming video content on your TV. You either went to the local sports games or you were at home bored out of your mind. Or you had a lot that you were doing. Who knows what it could be. You're hanging out with friends or whatever. But there were so fewer options that today there's so many distractions and so many options that people don't even realize or know or think about that there's a game at the high school that night because you're doing so many other things that clamor for your attention. Where back in, and, and back in my day, I sound really old saying it, they, you were like talking to all your neighbors and friends. You're going to the game tonight? You're going to the game tonight? Because that was like all there was to do. You're going, you're going to the game. It's so different now. We, we also live in a, in a tension and in, in an extreme culture, right? So we, we have an overworked society where there's so many people that are overwhelmed with life. They're, they're working hard. They're, they're overworked. They have so much going on in their life. They're weighed down by all the stress and pressure of our world. And then on the other side of the coin, on the other side of the tension, we have a, we have a culture and society who doesn't want to work yeah. that wants to depend on the government or other people to provide for them, and they, they don't want to work. And so then it even causes more tension on the people in their lives who are working. And now I want to be very, very clear that potentially you are a stay-at-home parent and your spouse is able to provide enough for your family or you are retired or you are uh, financially sound and and independent and you don't need to work to have income like a a person going to a a job would have. And I want to say that you have an amazing gift called time. And so in that amazing gift that God would give you, whether you're retired, financially independent, or, or not working, or a stay-at-home parent, you, you have a, a gift to sow into the kingdom of God and to be used by the Lord to bless other people and to help advance his kingdom that most people do not have. They're trying to find within their seven-day week time to fit those things in, and it's fully available to you. So I'd encourage you to, to, to ignore the lie of the American dream that says you're called to work super hard for 30 to 40 years to save up enough money to retire in your late 50s and early 60s so that you can just do whatever you want for the rest of your life. No, you, but if you can, in case you forgot what the scripture says, your life is not your own. So if you follow Jesus, your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. That price was a very big price. That was the Lord's body and his life that he gave for you. So therefore, honor the Lord with your body. Or really, in honoring the Lord with your body, it's not just about your health or your purity. It's about your time, what you invest into. But we, we live in this society of tension of overworked or not wanting to work. And, and I believe that those that are, are, are not working, they are maybe resting, and that's great. And those that are working... Need rest. You, in case you didn't know, God created you both to work and to rest. God created you to work. He gave Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall, before sin came in. He gave them responsibilities to steward the garden, to tend to the garden. He gave them work before the fall. Now, that work after the fall was supposed to become a lot harder, but he, they were working before. 
And before the fall, before sin came, God himself set an example for mankind on, of the Sabbath and taking a day to rest. So both mankind was created to work and to rest. You are created to be supernatural. It is, it is not, that is not an exaggeration. That isn't to be taken flippantly or lightly. You were made in the image and likeness of God, and you were created to be supernatural. And in that, in that design that he has for you, there is an amazing invitation to follow him and come to him and come out of what logically and naturally makes sense to your human mind and enter into a realm that goes beyond your understanding. Because I know even in your minds right now, some of you are thinking, okay, I'm supposed to take a whole day out of my week and rest? How am I going to get anything done? How is that ever going to work? You're actually getting stressed out with the thought of resting. Which is the whole point of resting, so that you aren't stressed out. So, so like, there's this tension that you might even feel right now. And, and I would just say to you that God did not invite you into this great walk called understanding. He, created, he called you into this great walk called faith and trust, where you go beyond your understanding and you trust him and walk with him. One of my favorite verses of all time, the well-known but powerful, powerful verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. I love this the inclusive language here, all. There's no, nothing to be left out. In all your ways, surrender, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Or it would, in other translations, it will say, he will direct your paths. If we lined you all up and interviewed you, I would say almost all of you, probably not all of you, would say, if we asked you, would you like God to guide your life? Would you like God to lead you and direct you and where, where you should go with your life? All of us would be like, yes, I want that. That's what I want. I want God to lead me and guide me. Well, right here in this passage is, in a sense, the steps to take for that to happen. You trust him with all of your heart. You lean not on your own understanding. So that means you're, you're not trying to figure it all out on your own. You're not, you're not trying to do it all in your own effort, your own strength, your own strategy. And you submit and surrender everything to him. And all of a sudden, he will begin to direct your life, lead you, guide you, and what he wants for your life. What if, in the principle and the idea of the Sabbath, what if God has given us a timeless principle of divine wisdom to help us be healthy, Spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally. What if? We must trust that his ways and his instructions for our lives are what's best. Instead of us trying to do it on our own. Thinking that we know best or we can figure it out. John 15, verse 4, Jesus says, Remain in me. Or abide in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And so often I think that we try to do a lot, even with good hearts and intentions, with good ideas, but we're doing them apart from his plan and his order and his, his design for our lives, and it often amounts to nothing, or it amounts to a lot of stress, fatigue, burnout, exhaustion, and being overwhelmed. That's not God's plan. That's not his desire for us. So often we feel overwhelmed because we don't weekly practice rest. Because in a sense, we don't trust God and, want to do, and we want to do it in our own strength. The, the idea or the concept of trusting the Lord with the Sabbath is pretty much the same as what we would teach you in the realm of trusting the Lord in your finances with the tithe. 
Okay, so we would say in that place of trusting the Lord in your finances and in the tithe, which we would say is not generosity, is, is obedience. You're basically saying in faith and in trust that God, me and you together, walking together with 90% because I bring back the 10 that you ask for is going to be a lot better than me trying to do my finances on my own with 100%. God, in trusting you and obeying you, I'm going to give you, bring back to you the tithe, the 10% that you ask for, and you and me walking together with the 90 is going to be more blessed, more prosperous, more abundant than me trying to figure it out with 100. It's the same idea with the Sabbath. Lord, you and me partnered together, walking together, working together for six days is going to be more fruitful, more productive, and more abundant and blessed than me trying to do everything on my own for seven days. And that doesn't mean, obviously, on the Sabbath, the day you rest, that you don't partner with God, you don't live and walk with Him, but you're essentially abstaining from, you know, what you would normally do for your work and for your job, and you're resting. In, in, the, in, the, in all four Gospels, in the Bible, in all four Gospels, there's only a couple miracles that are in all four of them. The, the resurrection of Christ, that he rose from the dead, praise God, and the feeding of the multitudes, or what's called the feeding of the 5,000. Now, they only counted the men at that time, so there's probably like over 20,000 people, counting women and children, in this moment. And, and Jesus is with his disciples, and he tells them to feed them, and a little boy gives up his lunch with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus, before he prays and thanks his father for what he has versus what he doesn't have, and before he breaks it for it to be multiplied, he tells the disciples to go through the crowd and ask the people to sit down in groups of 50 or 100. Gather in groups of 50 or 100 and sit down. Then all of a sudden, he prays, he gives thanks, breaks the bread, and it begins to multiply. In, in Mark 6, we see this, Mark 6, 39 through 40. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. What is the idea, the principle here? What am I, why am I saying this in, in the idea of the Sabbath? Because there must be God's divine order in your life. And his order must be in place to receive multiplication. He had to have them sit down. They were in a rested posture in order to receive. Maybe one of the best ways for you to receive from God is being at rest and sitting down with him. Where you're actually tuning out all the busyness and chaos and, and work and all the things going on in your life and you just rest with him for a day. And it actually prepares and opens your heart to receive from him. Notice also they sat down on green grass. It reminds me of Psalms 23 where... David talks about the Lord as our shepherd, and he makes me lay down in green pastures. He makes me, meaning that often we resist. We don't want to. We don't think we need to, but we need to. Now, I know potentially, maybe not because you guys are wonderful Christians, but potentially there is people in this room even today that are thinking about the idea of the Sabbath and going, I do not understand. Isn't that just in the law? Isn't that just in the, for the Old Testament? We're in the New Covenant now. We're under grace and not under the law. I don't understand why this would still apply to my life. I don't, I don't think I need this. Uh, I re I'm really confused. Are we going back into this realm of religion and legalism and, and law? I thought we were in grace. I'm, I'm, I hear you, and I'm coming for you right now, all right? So, Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20 in, in verse 8, this is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He's on the mountain in the presence and glory of the Lord. God literally takes his finger and etches into stone commandments for the people of Israel to live out, okay? Exodus 20, verse 8, God says, remember the Sabbath day, by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I want to make it very clear and I don't want any confusion here. 
We are only saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved because of his death and resurrection. That is how we, are, we receive salvation. That is what makes us a new creation. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn God's grace. We cannot earn a new creation. We cannot do any of it. The works of the law will not cause those things to come into our life. Only through grace, by faith, in what Jesus has done. He became sin for us to make us righteous. And we are redeemed and made new by what he has already done. Not by what we could do or what we do. All right? So I want to make that very clear. At the same time, though, there are ten commandments given to the people of Israel. And these ten commandments still ring very sound and very true for us in many ways for our lives today. Because the ten commandments still reflect God's values, his character, and wisdom for our living. They may no longer be laws to be kept, but they are very so much wisdom principles to be heeded. Okay, wisdom is still wisdom, no matter what day you live in. Wisdom is still wisdom. Even if law-keeping is no longer the pathway to a relationship with God, there is still wisdom in this. So let's think about and talk about the Ten Commandments for a moment. Let's talk about maybe the first couple ones. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Do you think that that's still a good idea and a good thing to live out and follow in your New Testament under grace life right now? Yes. Probably a great idea. Uh, You shall make no idols and graven images and worship them. Another great, solid, amazing piece of advice and wisdom that we should follow. All right? How about some of the other ones? Do not murder. Do not lie. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Good ones to follow. If you're a parent, you really like this one. Children, honor your father and mother. Obey them. I mean, you might use that one once a week. Praise God. We like that one. That's a really good one. Children, obey your parents. This is from the Lord. And in fact, it's echoed in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6. Like, we as parents know those ones. Like, we can pull that one out right away. Son, daughter, this is from the Lord for you. I feel a prophetic word for you confirmed in Scripture. Right? We love these ones. Well, the Sabbath, if you didn't know, is in there as well. And for some reason, we no longer want to call it the Ten Commandments. We want to call it the Nine Commandments. Because we like all the other ones. And then this one is like, I'm not so sure about that one. I don't know if God's really serious about that one. I don't, I don't know if he really means for that one to still be applied to my life today. I don't, I don't, really, I don't really get this one. And, 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 and we look at Jesus even in the, while he's walking on this earth and he, he's doing the Sermon of the Mount and there's multitudes of people standing around there and he speaks about the commandments in the law and he like, under grace, takes it to another level. He says, you heard it said before, do not commit adultery. I say anyone who has lust in their eye or in their heart for another woman has already committed adultery in his heart. He like takes it to another level. He said, you heard it said before, do not murder. I say anyone who says I hate a brother has already committed murder in their heart. So he takes it to another level. So, you know, if, if you and I were like, I don't know if I should follow the Sabbath because it sounds like the law, it sounds like the Old Testament, that was actually a little maybe easier. But we, we want to throw it all out. Now, again, I want to make it very clear that it's not about rules and regulations and following a a tradition and thinking that by doing that, now God will be pleased with my life. God is giving us a principle of wisdom to bless us, to help us. Okay? God God modeled this principle and established it from the beginning of creation long before the law of Moses came. And a lot of people think the same way about tithing. Like, well, that's just in the Old Testament. That was just under the law. Did you re- do you remember in, in Genesis where Jacob, who became Israel, has this radical encounter with the Lord, with the presence of God, and he says, God, if you bless me and my, my family, I will give you a tenth of everything that you give me. Before the law, out of a, an encounter with God, out of a love for the Lord, he promises to follow this principle of the tithe out. Long before the law of Moses came. It's amazing. So with the Ten Commandments, with some of the principles in in the Old Testament, we should probably ask ourselves this question in this way. In a new covenant reality, are these 
Or are there benefits to incorporating this command into my life? Are there benefits to worshiping only Jesus? Yes. Are there benefits to not murdering? Are there benefits to not stealing? Are there benefits to keeping the Sabbath? Ask ourselves this other question. Are there negative consequences in life if I do not do these things? In case you were wondering, there are a lot of negative consequences to murdering and stealing and adultery. Okay? These also ring true to the other ones as well. Praise God. They ring true. Confirmation from the Holy Spirit. Let it vibrate true next time. Praise God. All right. Let's look at another passage of scripture. Isaiah chapter 56. Now you're like, okay, but this is in the Old Testament as well. But let's look at the context here. Okay. The context is prophesying of the new Messiah Savior to come. Verse 1 of chapter 56 says, This is what the Lord says, Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Who is he speaking about? What is he speaking about? He's talking about Jesus coming as the Messiah. Verse 2, Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Now, we would all be like, amen to that last part, right? Hey, son or daughter, keep your hands from doing evil. Like, we would be, we'd be all about that part, like, hey, let's not do evil. But for some reason, again, we ignore the first part about the Sabbath. He goes on to say in verse 6, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord. Now, I'm going to pause for a minute. Unless you were born a Jew, unless you're born under the, in, in the Jewish nation and, and as an Israelite or coming from a Jewish heritage, this is for you. We're the, we're the Gentiles that God prophesied to come to be joined with Christ. We are the foreigners that he is speaking of here, okay? Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord. Now, I love that language because binding yourself to the Lord automatically means that you renounce and cut off all ties to the world, to the past, to Satan. You are bound to the Lord. Okay? So what is he wanting from us who have bound themselves to the Lord? He wants us to minister to him. To love the name of the Lord. And to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it. And who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. In the new covenant under grace, what is the sacrifices and offerings he is speaking of? Romans chapter 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Your sacrifice, your offering to the Lord is your whole life. And when you love him, you bind yourself to him, you love him, you minister to him, you, you will honor him and his word and practice this principle of rest and the Sabbath in your life. He wants to bring you to himself and give you joy in his house. And his house is to be a house of prayer. For all nations. So often, as, as Christians, especially in the West and in America, we love to look for solutions to all the problems in our lives by looking outside of Christ and his word. We, we look to uh, every resource and every solution that mankind has made available to us. And I'm not saying that they're wrong, that they're bad, that we should never look to those things. But we so often look to others we so often look to even the church or your pastor. We so often look to other people to fix our problems, 
to fix the, the problems and situations and issues in our lives. Where if we would actually just look at the basic fundamental things that God has given us to live out and walk in in our daily lives as followers of Jesus, all of a sudden things just might begin to dramatically shift and change and transform in our very daily lives. For example, you need to have daily personal encounters with God. If you are not daily spending time with the Lord and wanting to know Him more and grow in your relationship with Him and seek Him and spend time in worship and prayer and in the Word and recording what He's saying to you, then I'm going to start there with you. I'm going to be like, hey, you got problems in your life? Are you spending daily time with the Lord? No? Let's start there. Get back to me. Let me know how you're doing. Because something's going to shift. Something is going to change. When the hunger and desire of your heart, when you wake up, is, God, I just can't wait to be with you. We, we so often ignore these very fundamental things. Daily personal encounters. What about tithing? What about practicing the Sabbath? If you actually begin to follow these things and incorporate these things into your life, all of a sudden things will begin to shift in your life. You come to us as a staff and a pastoral team. This is where we're going to start. Are you willing to trust God with your whole life, with your whole heart, with your time and spending daily time with him, with your finances, with the tithe, with your schedule and and resting weekly? Are, Are you willing to trust the Lord in these areas? Yes? Awesome. Okay, then now let's visit these other areas of your life. But we're going to start there. Because so often everything else comes from a a place of wrestling with God and trusting Him in these other areas. I want to give you four reasons to rest. I'm going to go through them quickly because time is ticking. Reasons to rest. Number one, a Sabbath gives God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. Just like the tithe. Just, just like what you think you could, what you're going to miss out on and not have time for by resting a day and, and only doing work six days a week. All of a sudden you might find God doing more through and in your life in six days than you were doing before with seven. Number two, the Sabbath gives the opportunity to rest and be refreshed. God made us and created us with four tanks, so to speak. Okay, you have your gas tank in your car. You have your oil tank. You know, you have these different tanks that we can see in in different machinery. Your body, your life has four tanks, spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental. And when you take a day to be with the Lord and rest, he begins to refill and recharge those tanks. And if we don't pause to rest, we continue to try to live on empty. And then all of a sudden, we have burnout. We have temper tantrums like a three-year-old. We, uh, we lose our minds. We, we fall into sin. We get discouraged and overwhelmed. We, we are operating in an unhealthy place because we haven't allowed God to refill us by resting. Number three, there are consequences when we don't rest. Okay? Your tanks become dry. Number four, we rest to be a light to the world of a healthy life. I can tell you right now very, uh, I can tell you very honestly and very truthfully that if you go to work and you are stressed out, worried, anxious, overwhelmed, freaking out, talking back to your boss because you don't want him to ask you to do more that you're already doing, you are not probably setting an example where someone who doesn't know the Lord would come to you and say, I want what you have. Because they were already also freaked out, overwhelmed, stressed, full of fear. And they don't need that because they already got it. But if all of a sudden there is a health of your life, there is a peace, there is a joy, there is a freedom, there is a rest... There is a heart to want to give and serve and be generous. That is not going to look normal. That is going to stand out. When there's health in your family and in your marriages, all of a sudden, people are going to go, why are you like this? How are you like this? I don't understand. 
And you're able to give Jesus to them in that moment. But if, if we as the church are overworked, overwhelmed, stressed out, freaking out, overwhelmed by fear through circumstance in our own lives or the circumstances of the world, why is the world going to want Jesus? When we claim him but then deny him by being freaking out over everything. So you being at rest, you being healthy in your life actually is a great witness to the world. All right, I want to talk very practical with you because I know I'm sharing principles and wisdom and truth from the scripture and these different things for you. And you're probably going, but you don't know my context. You don't know my life. You don't know that I, I, I'm married with four children or six children possibly or uh, even two children. I only have two and it can be overwhelming at times. Uh, you don't know that I have five acres and I have all this property to manage and you don't, you don't know that I have all these things in my life. So how am I supposed to do this? This doesn't make sense. Great, great ideas, great questions, and I'm coming for you now. All right, so Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus says to the people, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what does that mean for us? Well, I would say first practical point for you, first practical step for you is to know and trust that the Holy Spirit knows everything in your life, everything about your life. He knows your context. Maybe I don't, but he does. And so you should start with asking him, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to apply this to my life? What does this look like for me and my family? And then start there with whatever he tells you. And I have found, and I'm sure you realize this, you know, sometimes we don't always think of this, but I have found that what you value, you make time and space for. Okay, so if we value God's word and we value our health and our rest, then at least starting with asking God this question is a great place to start. Will you allow at least to take the step of making space to ask the Lord what this looks like in your life? So that, because if we again were to ask you, do you want to be able to be your best, to give your best, and stay refreshed in all that you do? We would all say, yes. Well, God has given us a principle here to apply to our lives through relationship with the Holy Spirit and asking him for his guidance of how we apply this to our lives. Okay? So within this truth that Jesus shares in Mark chapter 2 of the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, that shows us that it's not about a certain day of the week even. Okay? So I know sometimes in church history and, and a lot of times we get hung up on, is the Sabbath Saturday? Is the Sabbath Sunday? You know, you got the, you know, you got denominations that base their entire movement on the Sabbath being a certain day of the week. You got Chick-fil-A, praise the Lord, that's closed on Sunday because they think it's Sunday. My Sabbath is usually a Friday or a Saturday. Okay? So again, what this actually requires is for you to be a good steward of your life, for you to look ahead in your schedule and look ahead into your weeks and actually schedule and protect the day that, which is going to be your Sabbath. And I say protect because, again, if you don't protect it and know that this is my Sabbath day, I'm not going to do anything work-related on this day, then if you don't protect it, the devil won't like it. And every distraction and every opportunity that could present itself for you to get sucked back in and not rest, it will happen. So you have to very wholeheartedly and intentionally protect it. All right? So, what are you supposed to do on the Sabbath day in resting? I would encourage you to do what refreshes you. Do what you enjoy. Okay? And I say this in the, in the context of do what you enjoy and do what refreshes you without sacrificing your family and your finances. Okay? So, for example, if you like to golf... I do not like to golf. I want to stay a Christian, so I don't go golfing. Um, not because golfing is evil, but because I am terrible at it. And so it would not be refreshing for me whatsoever. Um, I would be panicking that I'm going to hit windows and, and hit cars with golf balls and hit people on the course. It would, I'd be yelling four more than any number uh, on, you know, for the day. It would not be fun. So I don't go golfing on my Sabbath day. But if you enjoy it, that's great. Now, I don't know a lot about golf. 
but I do know it should not take 10 hours to do golf in a day. Okay, maybe three or four, potentially. So then you schedule it. You have communication with your spouse, with your family. Hey, dad's going to wake up, and I'm, he's going to go golfing, and he'll be back by this time, and then we're going to spend this amount of time as a family together. Okay? Maybe it's fishing for you. Same idea. You know, maybe once in a while you do an all-day fishing trip, but not every Sabbath day. Sounds like you're going to sacrifice family in order to go fishing. If your hobby is shopping, shopping refreshes you. That does not refresh me either. Uh, Praise God. Thank you, Lord, that it does not refresh me because I would be broke probably. But if it does refresh you, you actually budget in money in your finances so you don't go into credit card debt or into debt trying to support your Sabbath practice of shopping. Okay? Yeah, LJ, it does sound weird to be refreshed by shopping. Anyway, so you get my point here. Do what refreshes you. I like to go hiking. It's almost free, usually. Uh, And I actually enjoy being outside, enjoying creation, and actually having physical activity. If you are like me and you're in an office during the week most of the time, uh, you probably need to do something physically active, and it will refresh you. If you are uh, someone who does a lot of physical labor, probably the best thing for you to do on your Sabbath day is take a nap. Hey, uh, one amen. Praise God. Okay, that's probably one of the best things that you should probably do for yourself to rest is to take, to take a nap. I like to work out on my Sabbath day, and I don't consider that not resting because it actually refreshes me and recharges me. Okay, so again, everyone is made different. Everyone's context is different. Everyone's finances are different. Ask the Lord and find what works for you. Now, some of you are going, okay, what about yard work? Now, for some people, God bless you. Yard work refreshes you. I don't know what to say. If it does, awesome. Feel free to do it. Feel free to do it and, and have an amazing time. Now, most of us have two days off a week. Most of us do. Now, maybe not everyone. If you own your own business, sometimes I understand there's demands on your time. You know, but most of us have two days off a week. What I would say to you is on one day a week, Protect that as your Sabbath. And on the other day a week, do all your chores. Okay, do your projects. Do, do what you need to do to maintain and be a good steward of what God has given you. Okay, now if you, again, certain projects and certain yard work or whatever refreshes you and you feel like it's not compromising to do that on the Sabbath, be released. God bless you. <laughs> but for me, on, on my other day off, that's when I'm mowing my lawn. And I'm, you know, weed whacking and pulling weeds because, you know, it's just not. And also because I have to pick up the dog's poop before I do those things. So it's just not that refreshing, just being honest, you know. So, but it's got to get done. Praise God. So what are you not supposed to do uh, while you're on your Sabbath? Anything related to your work. So don't take emails and phone calls and and texts and doing stuff connected to your responsibilities to your job, all right? That's what you're not supposed to do. Rest, spend time with the Lord, spend time with your family, and enjoy one another and have a great time hanging out together. If if you are a stay-at-home parent and typically within your, your routine through the week, you are cleaning, doing laundry, making meals... If it doesn't hurt your finances, maybe that's a great day to go out and eat together as a family. Because that or the other spouse makes the meal. All right? So, like, you work together. All right? So, as a family, you talk it through. Okay, honey, you know, I'm going to go do this today. That when I come back, that means you can go do this. So, if you have kids, you're not sacrificing. You're not pawning your kids off. We're going to go have the Sabbath today. And so-and-so is going to watch my children. No, be together as a family. Plan activities together as a family with your kids. Okay? It is perfectly possible to rest and be a parent at the same time. Praise God. Okay, now some people ask about the emergency clause. Because if you know a lot about the Sabbath, 
There is an emergency clause that says if your donkey falls in a well or a ditch or your ox falls in a well, uh, you need to be able to pull them out. Um, or we see Jesus uh, heals someone on the Sabbath and the Pharisees uh, accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, well, wouldn't you pull your donkey out of a well on the Sabbath day? How much more precious is this daughter or son of God that God loves? And so I'm not working by healing them. So here you have full permission to still be a Christian on the Sabbath day, okay? You can give, you can serve someone, you can pray for someone, you can share your faith and share the gospel with someone, okay? This doesn't mean you isolate and ignore everyone in your life, okay? But you, you do what refreshes you around family or friends that refresh you. you. You follow the Lord and are partnering with him. Now, to the work context of things, if there are, quote unquote, emergencies within your work on a regular basis, I will tell you, if that is consistently happening, there is not an emergency issue. There is a leadership or management problem. And you probably need to take care of that. Okay, if you are a business owner or a manager in a, in a job and you have to be working 24-7, there's a problem. It's not good for you. Now you're like, well, I'm on call. Okay, ask the Holy Spirit what you should do. How do you practice this still? Do what he tells you. Okay, but if, you're, if you are able to, can, in a sense, dictate your schedule as a manager or as a business owner, set that time aside. Protect it. Tell your staff, I'm unavailable at this time and this day. If you have an emergency, you have an issue, call Joey over here. I have fully empowered him, trained him, and I trust him to be able to make any decision necessary. That's good leadership. All right? Okay. Bear with me. I have a few more things to share with you. Praise God. This is, a, this is a series, if you were wondering, or a book. You know, Pastor Robert Morris wrote a book on this, and I'm trying to give it to you in one message. Praise God. Okay, so now many of you maybe, maybe didn't hear this message. This is a little over a month ago. We had Snowmageddon, and we closed the campus here. Only had a few people show up for one service in Woodland and live-streamed it, so maybe hopefully you're able to watch that day. And I shared a message with you called On the Verge, and I, I was just sharing prophetically what I felt like God was saying to us as a church, and that I believe, and I, I strongly do, that we are on, on the, in a sense, the precipice or the verge of God pouring out and multiplying in us and through us, and God growing us in beautiful and amazing ways. I believe Belong starting up this week is a big part of that. I believe God's going to do awesome and amazing things in our church this year. And at the same time, that's a good spot to Amen. Good, yes, thank you, Sonny. Uh, at the same time, I also felt the Lord tell us and tell me for our, our staff, for our leadership, and for our church, this is a year to focus on health and rest. To focus on health and rest. And so often, you, you, know, you can focus on growing or on growth, and in doing so, you become unhealthy. And you, healthy things will grow. But if you begin to shift your focus from health to having growth or the growth that is happening, something unhealthy can begin to take place. And so I just felt this, the Lord remind me where the focus needs to be on health and rest. And as a leadership team, we really believe that the Lord is inviting us into this and that we're the ones that need to lead the way and that we're the ones that actually really need to like, really trust God and take a step to say, okay, God, this is your church. These are your people. It's not built on one of us or all of us. It's built on you and your word and your presence. So, God, we trust you and we will lead, we'll follow your leading and we will obey you. So in that leading and in that trusting, we feel like the Lord has asked us as a senior leadership team to take sabbaticals at different points throughout this year. We, we believe that the Lord is inviting us into that, that area of rest on an extended period of time going beyond the weekly Rest. Now, if, if you are familiar with this principle of the Sabbath, you'll know in Scripture that there is the practice of where the, where the Lord invited the nation of Israel to every seven years, let the land rest. Okay, it was called the Shemitah. I have to be very careful how I say that. One letter off in church would be very bad. Anyway. It was, that was a joke. That was fun. Anyway. Uh, that, was, that principle of taking a year off what was something that they were supposed to do. And we could think, well, that was again in the law. 
I, I, I don't see how that applies today. You know, when studying this principle out of the Sabbath, it was actually very saddening in, in many ways because I was reading books and hearing testimonies and stories of people who don't even profess to know Jesus, who don't know him, business owners, uh, wealthy people, very well-known people in the realm of leadership in the world. And they were telling, they, they will do seminars. They will have written books. They will, they will, they will do TED Talks on the, one, of the most, uh, one of the most beneficial and fruit-bearing principles that they found and they began to practice in their life and in their business. And it was called taking a year off. It was called taking extent, maybe it wasn't a year, it was three months, it was a, you know, two weeks beyond vacation, and they would go away, and they would be refreshed, they would get fresh creativity, fresh vision, fresh perspective, and come back, and the, the, the time off from that time, they w- there would be more increase, more blessing that would come. Even business owners and, and wealthy people will, will tell you that giving 10% of your income to charity brings in more blessing and abundance than they, were, than they had before they were doing it. They don't know how it works. They don't know why it works. They don't give credit to God or his word at all. But they just say, man, once I started giving 10% of my income to charity, I started growing like crazy. You guys should try it. It's like the church has to be like convinced from God and his word that these principles of the Sabbath and tithing are actually for us to follow and to do. And yet people in the world who don't even know God will actually be willing to do it. And we're like, I don't know if that's God anymore. I mean, come on. Like, what's going on with our hearts here? And, and so we have felt as, as a leadership team that we, we need to step out in faith. It's been almost eight years as, as leading as a team since we began to lead in 2014. And we feel like, one, we need it. And two, we will be better leaders because of it. And that the Lord is telling us to do it. And so it's like, okay, God, we'll trust you. So what does that look like practically? Some of you might be freaking out right now. What does that look like? Pastor Aaron and Pastor Tasha, they're going to be going on a sabbatical starting in March. Uh, they're going to be gone for 12 weeks, March through May. Myself and my wife, Pastor Melissa, we are going to be on a sabbatical for eight weeks in the months of July and August. O- almost all of August, like there's like one week at the end of June and then come into like the third week of August. Pastor Casey and his wife Ashley, we're going to be, we're, we're in the works right now trying to find the best time for them and their family, hopefully this year, for them to take a sabbatical as well. And that, that time is not a vacation. It's, it's not like some, it's for us to be able to rest, refresh, be with our families, and, and to be able to, I believe, re- come back with a fresh perspective, fresh vision, fresh direction from God for our lives and for the church, for what he has for us. And so I would just ask you, church, to pray into that with us, to be praying even now for Pastor Aaron and Pastor Tasha as they're preparing to do this in a couple weeks, for you guys to pray for them while they're on the sabbatical, for you guys just to extend that love, that grace into them. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly in, in our faith and trust in the Lord and obedience to do this, that God's, we're not going to miss a beat. God's not going like, to, we're not going to have to press pause, and God's not going to move in our midst and in our gatherings and in our time uh, as we continue to move forward with what he's asking of us. I believe and I'm so excited to see the leaders that he's brought to us already uh, to have opportunities to do more. Pastor Nick and Pastor Luke here, they are phenomenal leaders, phenomenal pastors. They're going to be given opportunities to lead more here and I'm excited for those things. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be awesome. So I can't wait to see what God is going to do in our step of faith and obedience in this. And I would just ask that you as well would just trust the Lord in this. And again, Ask the Lord how you can apply this principle of the Sabbath to your life. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to just share one last, one last scripture with you. Thank you for allowing me to have a little extra time today. Matthew 11, one of my favorite passages of scripture. This is Jesus who's saying this. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. This is probably my favorite invitation from the Lord in the entire Bible. And here, Jesus is inviting us to come to himself. Perhaps you are here and you're tired and you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world. Is your mind scattered and racing out of control? Do negative thoughts dominate your life? Do you feel like you constantly must do something to win the approval of people and God? Well, I just want you to know, Jesus calls to you today. He calls you simply to come to him. He only asks you to come and he will give you rest. He will give you himself. And rest is only found, truly found, first in knowing Christ. There is nothing else, there is no one else in this world that can give you rest for your soul than Jesus. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't know him personally and deeply, it doesn't matter if you've been in church a long time, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you think that by knowing the scripture, you have eternal life. These scriptures speak of me, but yet you refuse to come to me and have eternal life. So you can be in the right environments and know the right verses and maybe prayed prayers, but not ever come to Jesus to know him personally and deeply. Maybe you've never been in church before or this is your first time in a long time. He has open arms inviting you to come to himself because he loves you and he has rest for you. So if that's possibly you today and you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, would you just raise your hand high enough for me to see? We would just love to pray with you. Is there anyone here? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. If you're here and you do know Jesus, but in your life lately or maybe it's been for a long time, you have just felt so overwhelmed with life you feel beat down, burdened, anxious, fearful, stressed, and you just need some rest. Jesus has rest for you today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? We'd love to pray with you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Just right now, if you raise your hand, just say, Jesus, I give you this burden. It's not yours to carry. It's not his intent for you. Give him those things that weigh you down. Give him that heaviness. He wants to do a divine exchange with you where he, you give him heaviness and he gives you the oil of joy. He gives you rest and he gives you the garment of praise. So right now, just receive that from him. Say, Jesus, I receive your rest. I receive your peace. I renounce all hurry and all anxiety. I renounce all heaviness in Jesus' name. Just give him those things right now. Jesus, we come to you today. God, we need you. Oh, we come to you today for rest. I, I break off and rebuke in Jesus' name every weight, every spirit of religion, every spirit of performance, every expectation and demand that is not from you, God. Break it off in Jesus' name. Every lie of the enemy, break it off in Jesus' name. Spirit of heaviness, go right now in Jesus' name. Let the only heaviness we feel is the weight of your glory, God. Come, fill your people today. Refresh your sons and daughters today, Lord. Refresh them by your spirit, O oh God. We thank you, Jesus. Make us lie down in those green pastures, Jesus. Lord, refresh our souls in you today. You're the good shepherd, God. Come, touch your people today. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.